Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello, I'm drinking again, can you see? Yes, I was just about to ask, back on the booze wagon. Back on the booze wagon. I don't know, you guys probably don't know, but I haven't had a glass of wine with this podcast, which is very off-brand for months, I would say. Remember, Weeks, remember when we thought we couldn't do it sober? We were worried that we like weren't funny enough or likable enough without wine, but turns out we're amazing, both sober and sourced up. Yes. What What are you drinking? <laughs> so I was very lucky to get sent a dozen bottles of New Zealand's oh best Pinot Noir to work. It's what? like perks of the job times a thousand. It's called Akatu. Oh, I've like, heard of that. Yeah, it's like this award-winning Pinot, which is amazing because our opening slug has finally paid off. <laughs> I know. Yum. I'm so jealous. It's um, 10 a.m. here. Otherwise, I would join you i have a coffee open a bottle of akatu and i'm intermittent fasting so it's black and i'm depressed that's so depressing no oat milk for me intermittent fasting is depressing yeah i i like try to stop eating at 6 30 so i can eat at 11 30 but it just never happens yeah so i i just get too hungry i'm so hungry now my stomach's like rumbling into the microphone that was happening last week was it actually- <laughs> you hear it? I heard my stomach twice. Obviously not because I was editing and I didn't cut it out. Oh, no. I th- I'm pretty sure I was going to email you and be like, you can fucking hear my stomach. And then I was like, whatever. So if anyone yeah, hears it, it's like starving to death from fasting. That was my alarm. 
popping out early. It's the um, Bieber wedding day. It's it such an important day. When I remembered, I was just filled with joy and happiness. And then someone at work was like, there's pictures of the dress. And I was like, where? Like a, like a bat out of hell. I just screamed. I was like, where are they? I know. But by the time this comes out, there's probably going to be proper photos. But all we've seen are like these blurry photos of like a corner of her dress. There's like a photo of her shoulder and hair. I think we all guessed she would wear a veil and would have her hair in a bun. Mm-hmm. Uh, off the shoulder, I didn't expect, but I still think my like tiered chul prediction could be right. And it looks like she's wearing a Meghan Markle esque yes reception uh, dress, reception dress, which is very interesting. Beaver looks cute. I'm happy for them. I'm so happy for them. I just uh, there's no room for negative energy in this discussion. It's just all like what's that saying? Megan used to say, "No bad energy." No bad energy. <laughs> yeah, that's my feeling about the Beaver wedding. I Same. just there's no room, and I loved her little um, welcome dinner dress. Yeah, Vivian Westwood. Dress. She's so Vivian cute. Westwood. She is so cute. Her hair looked great. Bit short, but like love that. She's got an amazing body. She's yeah. She's a beautiful girl, and like when Justin Bieber shares the photos of her. We're like mums, like we're like she's a gorgeous girl. She's done the hard yards. It's time to celebrate. Well done. Well done. She she nailed it. But she, when Justin Bieber shared the photo of them when they were like twelve, she looks exactly the same. She looks exactly the same. We shot her for work and we posted it today to like celebrate the wedding, and it's from three years ago, three and a half years ago, and she looks exactly the same. Mm. Just doesn't age. Mm. I look like a different person i look a different i like i've gotten into this weird mode where i feel like i'm just it's all downhill from here and just started like a couple of months ago where i was like you've just passed your prime years and it's this is what society tells women they're like as soon as you hit your like mid-20s peak it's all downhill but i read olivia coleman's interview in american vogue which she's on the cover of and she was like no one tells you your 40s are fucking awesome that's the best time. Well, Hollywood's I actually feel like my 30s are going to be fucking awesome because you finally have money. Like you can, like you finally, mm. even just being in London, I'm like, how did I even survive in Sydney? I feel like I had no money in Sydney and I was constantly like stressed about everything and not being able to, I don't know, just even buy fake tan because I'd be like, oh, it's too expensive. And now in London, yeah. I bought yesterday – a whole lot from Boots, including the La Roche-Posay sunscreen. That's so bougie. I know. I can't buy a La Roche-Posay sunscreen unless there's that, like, 50% off sale at Priceline, which happens, like, twice a year. And yeah, like, so now I'm, like... No, I agree. I've always thought that 30s are going to be awesome. I'm, like, 30 sounds like the best time ever. You kind of just settle into yourself. Mm. And you've been working for long enough that you're fine. Like this is going to sound a bit woo-woo, and it's definitely the, um, what's it called? Gwyneth. Akira. Akitu speaking. <laughs> <laughs> but I always feel like, I've always felt like there's, like, a version of you that's you, and it's, like, lingering above you, and you're just working towards becoming that person. Like, that's what your whole 20s are. They're just trying to fit into that. Like, I see it as, like, a when the someone get, gets murdered and they do the <laughs> chalk. Oh, my God, what is happening right now? 
do you know what I mean? Like it's like an outline of you in chalk and you're like working towards becoming that person. I feel like that's what your twenties are. And then you get to your thirties and you're like, Oh, this is who I am. Like nothing can, nothing can (laughs) shift. Yeah. And I think you also (laughs) stop caring so much about what people think and you stop taking so much shit from people. Not that we're not that either of us are 30, but that's what's going to happen. Exactly. I feel like every year that I've gotten older, I've like felt more confident and more secure and you stop, letting people treat you badly and I don't know. Yeah. You can't but I also feel like you're, you're, you're a bit more malleable in your 20s. Like you can fix your flaws in your 20s. I feel like once you hit 30, you're just cooked. Like you're just baked in. Mm. So you've got to work on everything now. I need to work on my impatience. Yeah. I so think, do I. I think that's literally my biggest flaw because that's, that stems out into everything impatient yeah yeah I went to buy a toner at the hairdresser on Saturday and there was a woman on the phone and the other woman I think didn't realize that I was trying to buy something and I just went and put it back and like went to leave and she was like oh sorry I like I didn't know you were buying it and Zach was like what is wrong with you I just like would rather like walk out of the shop than wait one more second yeah I did that at the airport the other day when a, a girl I was trying to buy mascara at duty free and she was serving someone else but she was just they were just chatting she wasn't Mm. really serving her so i was kind of like can you get this show on the road got a flight Mm. to catch and then i just put it back and walked away (laughs) and then i just had done that so many times yeah (laughs) um let's talk quickly about unbelievable because i feel like we've both seen it but haven't talked about it with each other yet I love it so much. I binged it literally in like one single day. I'm on the last episode now. Um, I had – so we talked about it last week and about how you'd watch the first episode and the first episode is this super bleak mm. thing where this girl is sexually assaulted in her home and none of the officers believe her. So you're very drained at the end of episode one. And then episode two starts and it's another assault, but all of the detectives on the scene are female detectives. And I got really emotional. I know, Grace was texting me being like, woman. I was like, what? I know, because she likes woman who's who's still professional, but so empathetic and like understanding and just the way she speaks and responds and talks and how, you know, it's it's kind of amazing. Yeah. And that's a true story. Yeah, it's so good. I... Yeah, I thought after the first episode that I couldn't watch it. It was just a bit graphic, and then I couldn't sleep. I had a dream the next night that I was raped, and oh I woke God. up screaming. It is very graphic. I woke up screaming, help. It's a... Oh, God. It's a grim watch. It's a grim watch because, A, it's real. B, I think it's like every single woman's fear comes to life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When someone breaks into your house, which is like your safe space, in the dark at night. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then after the first episode, it gets it's a lot easier and it gets so addictive and good because it's these two women who are working together together to solve this case. Um, and I'm on the last episode now, but I had to turn it off last night because it got to like two in the morning. Yeah, I, I was, was like that watching. with it as well. It's it's so addictive, and that these detectives were just so dogged with it's, it. It's so funny as well because I always watch like when Anton falls asleep, I just keep watching. And then every two seconds he'll, he was like rolling over being like, turn it down. And then I'd, I'd be like, I can't hear it if I turn it down. Just shut up. And then I would turn it down like a tiny bit and then there'd be these gunshots and he'd wake up again. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I know that this is basically like 
this is the worst thing you can do in a relationship, but I have to watch this show. I don't want to get my yeah. headphones. Yeah, exactly. Mm-mm. It's so good. And it's also just a tale of like good old fashioned police work. Mm-hmm. Like there's no twists and turns. It's like they literally just work on it from like very logical, intelligent angles for seven months and then figure out who did it. Like it's kind of weirdly satisfying in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's I was so like, great. is it going to be her husband? Like, I was just thinking, Same. like, wild things. <laughs> Max? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And there's so many good things. I feel like it highlights what female working relationships are actually like. There's a bit where the younger detective who's, like, a massive fan of the older one makes some comment and she just, like, frowns and shakes her head. And I was like, that's just – I just feel like that's something Izzy would do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, what? <laughs> it's so good. Um, oh, also, we celebrated one year of the podcast over the weekend. We had no idea until my Facebook alerted me. And Izzy was like, I think, out hooning in London. So wrote I like a shrine. A, a shrine to me. And I woke up and I was like, oh. <laughs> I, was I like, found, hey. I don't even know how I did that. I was at a bottomless brunch and I found like 18 photos of you and uploaded them all. <laughs> And then that night I was like, I wish I could delete some of them. (laughs) Take it down to two or three instead of like 18. It just proves how good I am at taking photos though. Imagine you trying to do that for me. Well, as you can see, it was impossible because I just put up a photo from our like thumbnail. (laughs) I should be a photographer, seriously. You actually should. I feel like you've got the eye. You got the, the photographer's eye. I can be your subject. <laughs> yeah, you, you literally are. <laughs> You're my muse. <laughs> uh, oh, do you know what else I've been watching? I don't know if you've seen this, but it is so, so funny. Shit's Creek. Okay, I watched the first episode of Shit's Creek and I hated it I after seeing it. so many things about it. No. Does it get better? It. Yeah. I well I'm only on I'm kind of it's kind of one of those shows that I've been we've, we put on in the lounge when we're all eating dinner and we all talk mm-hmm. and chat and then you just listen to it a bit so I haven't been intently watching it but the bits that I've been watching I've loved and the it's just like so the mm, I need to learn everyone's names but the actor that's the dad it's his real life son who plays his son and they have such yeah, good... it's Eugene Levy, right? From yeah. like American Pie. Yeah, yeah. But the son is so funny. You you would like it. He tried to sell because they lost all their money. Basically, they were super 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 rich, and then they lost all their money, and they had to move to a town called Shits Creek, which they bought as a joke when they were millionaires. <laughs> and it was the only thing that didn't get repossessed. And so they move into this like a shitty motel, and it's in one of the episodes this woman who works on reception at the hotel, she's like to the son, why don't you sell some of your clothes? Like you have so many clothes. And he was just, and he's trying mm. to sell them on eBay. And, and it, it's literally you trying to sell a dress. I was going to say, this is like the story of my entire life yeah. right now. So I have taken two, which I don't want to divulge because I feel like it's a very smart business move of mine, but to like finding things on eBay doing them up and reselling them elsewhere, like fashion designer stuff, because I'm just really good at internet shopping. Mm, you're so um, good at internet But now shopping. I just have – I have, like, a surplus of shit. Like, it's just piled up in my house. I've got, like, Louis Vuitton boots and bloody caftans and, like, all sorts. 
and I just haven't done any of the selling. I know it's such a nightmare and we've just moved into my in-laws. So it's like the worst possible timing. You, um, that's that's me. You could have been Gab Waller. I know. I had coffee with Gab last week. She's, um, a girl who sells, she finds sold out items on it. Like people message her on Instagram and will say, can you find me these shoes? And she'll find them for them. Yeah, she's like a shoe whisperer and she does it for like Rosie and Hayley Bieber, Woman of the Hour, etc. Mm. She's a legend. Yeah, I know. That's what I should have done. <laughs> anyway, stay tuned on my business proposition. Um, and the other thing that we've both been listening to this week is all of the stuff on um, Megan Twohey and Jodie Cantor's new book. Yes, we certainly have been. That was such a good find of you on Fresh Air. I was mm, like, oh, my God. I found it through the high-low. Oh. <laughs> Little bitches. <laughs> um, I was like, you are a genius. Oh, my God, Grace, I'm holding my tummy because I'm so hungry. I'm, I'm the same. I'm literally grumbling. <sighs> this fasting business. I'm not even fasting and mine's rumbling. Oh, Justin Bieber just posted. Oh, it's kind of cute, but not really. It's just him kissing her mm. in the photo booth. I hate how they all do those black and white photo booths. I hate those photo booths. It's so random. It doesn't look nice. And then they have like the Biebers and bloody Cos- Comic Sans pretty much. Like Comic Sans. And also it's went up two minutes ago and it already has 1700 comments is that how you felt when you posted all those pictures of me (laughs) it actually went off you got more likes than my pizza selfie you got 400 likes 400 yeah bloody hell not being able to see likes has never been so frustrating oh can you not see them still i can see them can you Mm. might have been a bit tame lately um yes so she said is the new book that the two New York Times journalists who broke the Weinstein case wrote about the investigation. And then ahead of its release, they did these interviews. So they did one on Fresh Air and they did a couple on The Daily. And they Mm -hmm. are so interesting. It's so crazy how... So basically they come out and probably the most explosive part of the book is the fact that these two women's rights lawyers a mother and a daughter who are famous, like celebrity lawyers known for working cases of women who have been sexually assaulted or like, um, you know, harassed harassed or not paid the same. um, And they work with them to, they work, they always work with those kinds of women in those cases, Lisa Bloom and Gloria Alred. And then it came out that it was Lisa Bloom, wasn't it? And she was working with Weinstein Mm. Um, right before the story broke. But then when it came out that she was working with him, she basically said, she was like, oh, I didn't know the extent of the allegations. Like, obviously I'm not going to work with someone like that. And then these Mm. two New York Times journalists found somehow got hold of an email. It's so crazy. I don't know how they did that. Somehow got hold of an email that she had sent Harvey Weinstein basically saying that she's going to do everything in her power to discredit Rose McGowan and that her time working with victims of sexual assault and harassment has given her the edge to know how to basically discredit them. Yes. Oh my God. That's like such a perfect way of putting it. It's just the most horrendous letter ever. She must be so humiliated and embarrassed because she's like, 
I've worked these cases with these women before and they always start off seeming credible, but you can always poke holes in their story. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And it's because Harvey Weinstein was optioning one of her books to be a movie. Mm. That's the whole reason she worked with him. It's crazy. And then it's crazy. And you can see how he obviously butted her up because he knew it would be such a good look for him to have like a famous feminist lawyer on his side. mm. You just can't believe she fell for it. It's so upsetting and like demoralizing yeah and i haven't i'm halfway through the second episode it's a two-part series on the daily and the first one focuses on lisa bloom who's the daughter and then the next one focuses on Gloria alred who's the mother um and they're both famous women's rights lawyers but i i'm only halfway through the gloria one but it comes to light that she was like in on it too right it's not that she was in on it it's that she had she's had victims because she's so famous, she's had victims of Harvey Weinstein, Larry Nasser, who was the gymnastics guy, and uh, who was it? It wasn't Roger Ailes. Um, another, Bill O'Reilly, I think, from Fox News. Mm. Three really high-profile Me Too cases. She's had victims come to her and she's told them to negotiate a, a payout, basically in all three cases. So she was aware of these guys who had patterns of predatory behavior, but encouraged her clients to take the money and shut up basically, rather than take it to court. Right. And like the, her justification has been in all of these cases, this was the best option for my clients and I'm paid to give my clients advice on what the best option is for them not to like, bring these huge cases to justice basically. So they're kind of like with Gloria Allred, it's like a problem with the system. Like the system is kind of skewed to support the perpetrators rather than the victims. But they're also like, if you're a really prominent feminist lawyer, surely you're not encouraging victims of sexual assault by high profile people to take money and shut up and never like get it into the courts. Mm. So, so hers crazy. is a little bit more complicated, but yeah, they're both. It's that both of them are pretty disappointing. And the woman who came to her in two thousand and four and said that Harvey Weinstein had raped her was like, it made me so upset seeing her come out and defend. She was defending fourteen Weinstein accusers at one point. So her daughter was defending Weinstein, and she was representing his accusers and she was like she was getting so much publicity for it, and yet when I came to her fifteen years earlier, she didn't want to know. And told yeah. me to take a video. Like that's what the whole thing was about. So it is pretty wild. It's so crazy. And then also this is um in their book, it's comes out that Gwyneth Paltrow was one of the main people who helped them in their investigation, which I just love. She did everything in her power. She was calling other um actresses who'd worked with Weinstein, trying to find other victims. I love her so much and I loved how they said that like his biggest concern before publishing was, have you spoke to Gwyneth? Have you spoke to Gwyneth? He was like terrified about it. And it turned out it was because the women who he was trying to coerce into sex, his line with them was, don't you want what Gwyneth has? Cause like his Miramax film is what won her the Oscar and mm. like made her a massive film star girl. and made her a household name and the golden girl. And when she found out, and so the insinuation of that was that she had slept with Harvey Weinstein to get ahead in her career, when really he'd, tried to do it and she'd fought him off and then Brad Pitt went and nearly beat the shit out of him. Mm. And yet he was using that to coerce women and she was so upset when she heard that that she called all of the victims and apologised. Oh, my God. I love Gwyneth. Same. 
I love Gwyneth so much. Sicko. He reminds me so much of Donald. Like, like, does Gwyneth know? Like, that's your biggest fear. Like, does your A-list pal know that you're an asshole now? Yeah. Instead of yeah. Like, you know, it's such a Trump thing to do. God. Speaking of Trump, um, yes, I am like bubbling to the brim with complete fucking excitement about all this Ukraine stuff. Yeah. So maybe give people a little overview because there's heaps going on about it. But unless you've been, fo- I mean. Yeah, there's going to be an impeachment because Trump was speaking to the Ukraine. What is it? Prime Minister, President, President, yeah, President, um, trying to get them to bring up dirt on Joe Biden for the next election. Right. Yeah. So, ba- like, basically, yeah, it's kind of hard because Trump does so much dodgy stuff that it's kind of hard to see why this is different to the other dodgy stuff he's done. But basically what happened was he had this phone called the president of the Ukraine, who is also a former comedy actor. He's like a kind of Adam Sandler-like figure from the Ukraine, like just two idiots (laughs) having a phone conversation. And in this phone conversation, he basically, he didn't explicitly say it, but like no one explicitly says it. He was like, we're looking after you. We're providing you all this aid. I need you to help me with this Joe Biden thing, basically. And, like, that's such a huge deal, not just because he's using his role as president to try and get dirt on a political opponent, but because by withholding aid from Ukraine, which he did do, that's leaving them susceptible to Russian interference. So it's basically, like, leaving an ally of American politics vulnerable globally so you can get help with your own presidential campaign. Yeah. It's like a massive, massive, massive deal. And the but fact he didn't that even realise. <laughs> and the fact that it's affecting an upcoming election. That's why yeah, it's like it's, huge. It's just crazy. So so basically 12 people were listening in on this call and this was like by far the quote-unquote worst call in terms of something that's really, really bad. So it became kind of like talked about in the office. And what the people who listened in on the call did was they sealed it as a matter of national security so the transcript could never be read. And apparently there's been lots of phone calls with Trump and foreign leaders that have been completely inappropriate and the protocol amongst his inner circle has been to list them as, like, classified even though they shouldn't be classified to protect him so it's going to be kind of like watergate where the problem isn't just the thing itself but like the elaborate cover-up like that's going to be the issue god i wonder how it's crazy so this whistleblower has written a letter to congress saying xyz has happened and now there's an impeachment inquiry but it's really hard to impeach a president you need two-thirds of the senate and the senate is majority republican so the chances of it happening are fairly low Mm. But um, Nancy Pelosi was like, he's just left us with no choice. Like, it would be completely unethical to not impeach him. And I love how he was going after Joe Biden when Joe Biden's probably not even going to win the Democratic vote. I know, but it's a a sign that Joe Biden is the person to put in because he's so scared of him. Yeah. Maybe he just thought he was frontrunner. Joe Biden polls really well in, like, the four or five states that Donald needs to win in to win again. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Uh, Basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also how he was trolling a 16-year-old, Greta Thunberg. I know. So insane. And just so insane how so many people thought that the best option to do when a really, really, really smart girl who's <laughs> well versed in exactly what's going on in climate change and has the backing of science behind her to just be like she's talking rubbish because they don't want to deal with it they don't want to have to change i know i'm kind of the person who was like oh are people really trolling her or are people just trying to make a story out of nothing and then i was like oh no they really are <laughs> it was like carl stefanovic jeremy clarkson oh like my God. donald trump just all these Andrew Bolt, who is, could not hate more. Um, I actually, because I'm reading a book at the moment called Many Minds, Many Masters, and it reminded me of this Greta Thunberg stuff because in it he talks about how he's a prominent psychiatrist um, and he always used really traditional forms of um, therapy to help relieve patients of anxiety and depression and um things like that and then he talks about how he met this one client one day who basically her anxiety was because her mind was going into past life experiences and he had written that off and he was like that's not possible that can't be true and then he wrote he's written this huge book about it which is a new york times bestseller and at the start of it he talks about why he didn't want to write the book and how he didn't want to come across as crazy and that he was endorsing all of these things that haven't been proven by science even though climate change has been um so basically he says in it that like throughout history humankind has been resistant to change and the acceptance of new ideas and he goes through all of these examples of how over millions and millions of years there's been a clear like a clear view of exactly what's going on but no one wants to change and no one wants to accept it and I feel like that's exactly what's happening with Greta and then on Unbelievable actually and like the second to last episode the one that I watched last night she um Caitlin Dever the main character literally says if the truth is inconvenient they don't believe it about just mm, people exactly there's lots of different like psychological phenomenons about why people act in like illogical ways like confirmation bias and things like that and I think there are so many examples like going back to unbelievable you had white male middle-aged detectives who had 
certain ideas about how people respond to sexual assault or how a sexual assault looks or how and it's all very objective because it's not something that they have experienced or that someone they know intimately has experienced so you have a system that's set up to let things slip through the cracks like in the unbelievable case where they didn't believe the first victim and therefore he went on to assault six seven eight more women Mm because proper police work wasn't done. But it wasn't that these guys were quote-unquote bad people. Like they kind of go to lengths to show they weren't bad people. They just had like thought patterns that were not conducive to the way the world actually works. And I do kind of think that that's a similar thing to what happens with climate change where like you are so entrenched in a sense of the world and what you believe and in what's comfortable and what you think you know that if someone comes to question that, even if it's the true thing, you just get your back up and you're like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. And even it's like, was me and Anton were talking the other day and it's something that I haven't talked about on the podcast much, but I've been vegetarian since age six. And it's something that I don't really talk about because I don't want to sound like that preachy person who's, who every time I talk about it to anyone who eats meat, it feels like you're telling them that they're doing something wrong. And then, mm. and then people instantly get their back up and then it's instantly like this defensive conversation you're happening. And I was talking to Anton about it the other day who like, he eats meat sometimes, like not really at home, but if he eats out, whatever. Um, and I was talking about it with him and I was sort of like, it's funny because, you know, millions and millions of people are marching and so many people are wanting to change and help the environment. But then people don't want to look at the fact that like, meat has been proven to be like going vegan is the single biggest way to reduce your environmental footprint and I think it's kind of like the exact same situation where people just want to put their heads in the sands if it's if it's anything to do with them having to make a change they don't want to make or like getting your back up because you think someone's telling you off for doing something that you should have the decision to make like it happened to me in a cafe in Bondi ages ago I forgot my keep cup which seems to be a recurring theme And Mm -hmm. I went into a cafe and they shamed me for ordering a takeaway coffee. And I felt like so upset that I left almost in tears. Mm. And like, you don't want anyone to ever shame you for your decisions, but it's funny how someone can like shame you for not having a keep cup. But then if anyone dares to say meat is like bad for the environment, they're preaching and horrible. Like it's so weird. Yeah, totally. No, I know. I think it's that thing where it's like, and I know this might sound like a very long bow to draw is that the way you say that saying but like I think it's how men respond when you try to talk about sexism Mm. where it's like you do not like being attacked or feeling like you're being attacked for something that you're not actively doing like you don't want to be made to feel like you're doing something by accident because you don't have bad intentions that has bad repercussions outcomes yeah you know what I mean so like when you have been brought up eating meat your whole life you've never been told differently you've never been made to feel like it's a bad thing and then all of a sudden someone's like you know I don't eat meat because like the conditions for animals are really terrible and like when you watch the videos of the farms it's like really upsetting and you know the carbon footprint you all of a sudden are like wait how can I have been doing something that's bad without ever actively deciding to do something bad yeah it's so funny because I guess and also, I think that there's a huge flaw where people feel like, and we, we've even talked about this before, where you were 
vegetarian you were vegan for a while Mm. um and then you stopped because you felt like you needed to be all or nothing and it's this huge thing where like I have been vegetarian for years so since I was six and then when I was about 22 I started eating like the odd piece of fish or prawns and suddenly it's so funny the change in people when they find out you eat fish like they're kind of like oh well, you're not a real mm. vegetarian. Well, you're not a real vegetarian, or if you're vegan but you have a leather handbag, and it's like just any kind of difference, any kind of change that is like helping the world is something. And like even eating meat-free Mondays, or not even about meat, just like taking a keep cup wherever you can and opting to not have a straw wherever you can, like we were talking about last week. It's like it doesn't have to be this all or nothing. People were trolling Greta because she ate bananas that were imported from somewhere. Like you live in society, like you just have to do the best you can. I think that was the biggest thing for me because I got really, like my brother's vegan. I got really into, um, I was vegetarian for years and years and years and I got really into veganism and I was vegan for six months. And then I just really craved meat. Like I missed it. I just, there's a lot of people in this world who are vegetarians or vegans and they say it's literally because they just don't like the taste. Like every single day of me being vegan was like, agony because I missed it so much that'd be me like like me trying to give up um chocolate or carbs yeah it'd be like if bread was like like you had to like kill a human to eat bread like you'd be like fuck you'd be so conflicted (laughs) yeah so then I ended up breaking it and then when I broke it it was just like I just felt so much that if I broke it I just broken the vow of caring about things. So I was just like, fuck it. And then just ate meat like crazy for ages. And I was saying to you before, the funny thing is like, I don't eat, I eat like cheeseburgers occasionally and I'll eat like a Frango's chicken burger occasionally and whatever. I don't eat meat in like a crazy way. I eat vegan meals pretty much breakfast and lunch. I don't know, 80% of the time, like, Mm -hmm. but I just, I felt like I couldn't be involved in the conversation or care at all or in any way assess my own behaviour in terms of environmental impact or animal impact or ethics unless I just adhered to it completely. And I think that's just this kind of bad thing we have in this culture where we're just looking for ways to call out people that are not doing it fully. Like I remember when I was vegan, someone was like, it was back when I was like a little dirt bag rolling around <laughs> Newtown. So I had all my stupid tattoos, which I still have. But um, people would be like, oh, your, um, your ink is from like sourced from somewhere yeah. in the Amazon like, and it's not vegan ink or something just trying to do a good thing please don't call out all of the, it's like it's like if you just say i eat meat i don't care people are like cool like yeah yeah and well like, done i'm gonna try and not eat meat people are like but what about like leather seats in cars and you're like oh my god yeah literally that's it's so annoying yeah. so i don't know i just want i just wish it wasn't such a taboo topic where people get their backs up about it but i do think like with everything it's so much about how you approach things. And that's why I never talk about it on the podcast because I can't have yes. a one-on-one discussion with everyone who's listening. And, and like some people may think that I'm being preachy and annoying, but I think with, with like literally everything, and even Anton, he was finding it hard the other day because we were talking to a friend of ours and she kind of got her back up about something he was saying. And he was just trying to give advice and trying to help and be positive. And I was like, you're not looking at it from 
her perspective, she sounds like you're kind of telling her she's doing something wrong and you need to reframe it and mm. be like, well, this is what I do. Mm. So that's what I try to do. Exactly. <laughs> this is what yeah, I do. Exactly. And this is why this I is do what it. I do. I think that's it as well. And I think that people should maybe just stop before they, you know, like there's all those memes that are like, you know, is there a doctor in here, vegan? I'm yeah. vegan. Yeah. Like there's like all those things about vegans just being annoying and preachy and like <laughs> shoving their ethics down everyone's throat. But I do kind of think that it's like, okay, I'll give you a good example. I was on the British Vogue Instagram account today and Jordan Dunn is on the cover. Yeah, and I was beautiful. looking at the comments. It's beautiful. And I, I was looking at the comments and 99% of them were, this is amazing, beautiful cover, etc. But there was like two or three that were like, um, you call this diversity, but all you do is put black girls on the cover. And I was like, they had a white girl on the cover the last issue. They had one the issue, like two issues before that. And the thing is when you're used to only seeing white women, uh, non-white women stand out to you. You know what I mean? And you feel like you're seeing them all the time. Mm. Uh, but really it's just because you you think the status quo should be white women. So when someone says, I'm a vegan because you're so used to people not saying that it feels like it's happening all the time when yeah. really it's happening yeah. very rarely, but because you're so used to a status quo, every time it happens, it sticks out to you. Yeah. So it could happen like three or four or five times, but you're like, this happens all the time because all the 99 times that someone never says it, you don't notice like your brain isn't clocking it. Yeah, I find Do you know what it, I mean? Like, so like when women, when women's, you know how there's like that statistic that's like when women speak in meetings, so they speak 30% of the time, men are like, she spoke 60% of the time or whatever it yes. is. It's because they're so used to women not speaking that when they do, it triggers parts in their brains that makes them think it's happening much more than it is. So when you hear a vegan talking about their ethics, you think they're like ramming them down your throat when it's really just you're not used to hearing someone with this opinion. So it seems mm. like a much bigger thing than it actually yeah. is. At our bottomless brunch on the weekend, um, we were sitting. I am in a bottomless brunch cycle of death. It is crazy. That's all anyone does in London. (laughs) You're just going to bottomless brunch until you die. That's all anyone does here. So at our bottomless brunch on the weekend, we were sitting opposite a couple who we'd never met. And I, like, reached for the vegetarian thing and then a guy was like oh are you vegetarian and Anton just like put his hand on my lap because he knows how much I hate that conversation and how much I Mm. don't want to have it but then I guess it's I mean if you can do it in the right way it's can be a positive it's weird because I always find like I used to get find it really uncomfortable when people said why are you vegetarian Mm. like yeah, I didn't find it rude. Like, I guess it isn't rude, but it's just hard because they're just putting you in an awkward predicament. Yeah. I mean, like, it's going to be, like, one or two reasons. It's either going to be because, like, the environment is dying or you love animals. <laughs> like, it's, like, how many yeah. other reasons are there? Exactly. <laughs> I know. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, they're kind of forcing you to say things so they can disagree with them because yeah. no one's like, oh, yeah. why are you? Like, I've never even considered why someone would be. Yeah. I'm open to it. Like, that's not why someone's asking. It's a very specific type but of like, like why do you believe in God? That asks you. Like, what? Yes. Don't you think it's a specific type of person asks you? Like, yeah. kind of a dickhead. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, I just think that. Just, I'm going to plug this for you because I know you don't want to plug it and I feel like it comes, it's a bit less of a blow coming from me because I eat meat. But 
if you're interested, you should really actively look up the environmental uh, impacts of the meat industry. It's quite flabbergasting and insane. And it's very difficult once you're aware of it to not look at and address your behavior, not your behavior, just your consuming habits or whatever. So I think that it is something actually that people should take the time to do because we're a very like privileged, we're a very privileged society. We kind of get to do whatever we want most of the time like we do have a bit of an obligation to be aware of these things especially considering that the third world uh and the poorest countries on earth is who's going to be affected first Mm. and they have no power to make these decisions so yeah um and rent over (laughs) yeah and i've never had to take any sort of supplements you can get everything you need from just eating normal food i don't even eat super healthy and i'm like totally fine i put a handful of spinach in a smoothie And we're good to go. Mm. I got really sick when I was vegan. I was like a gaunt human. Because you fucking ate nothing. Like, I know what your diet would have been. It would have been like bread and fries. It was like bowls of rice. Yeah, literally. (laughs) That's it. I know. I can tell. (laughs) And the occasional banana. (laughs) That does not surprise me. Also, Harry and Megan (laughs) in South Africa. Yes. Yes. My second home, Africa. Archie is so cute. So cute. And looks exactly like, exactly like baby Prince Harry. It's scary how much he looks like him. I cannot handle Prince Harry as a dad. I can't handle it. It's like, it is honestly the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. (laughs) I know, it's really cute. And he's like, that video of them walking down with Archie, it literally just made my whole week a lot better. Same. And Megan just looks like such a calm mother. I know. Also, I feel like she was born to play this role. I love so much. Um, So they're in South Africa and Archie's with them, but Harry's gone off to a few other countries while Megan and has left Megan and Archie. And while he's been gone, Megan has been doing so much for women's rights and gender equality in South Africa. She met with like 12 female leaders, including politicians, policymakers, activists, and had this huge lunch about what they could do to help women's rights in South Africa. She visited the um, memorial site of a murdered 19-year-old girl who was raped and murdered and then went and spoke to her mother about ways that they could help, like gender-based violence in South Africa. She's Mm. just full going for it. It's so good. It's so good. Mm. I just think it's like... I don't know, people tend to like to criticise her when it suits them and never applaud her for the good things that she does and it's just like she doesn't have to do any of that. That's her really actively. Yeah. She would get such a free pass on this trip, you know what I mean, with the kids and with the baby and everything. I feel like she's consciously trying not to wear amazing clothes because she's trying to focus on all of this other really important stuff. And also the royal family used to take no political stand, would never mm-hmm. utter the word feminist, would never talk about women's rights. Mm. It's so good. It is. It's amazing. I just think that she's decided – she just feels like someone who's decided to take on all the negative aspects that come with a role like that for the greater good of all the things that she'll get to promote instead. Like, I really feel like yeah, that about yeah, her. Like, yeah. I feel like when people say she's, like, calculated, I feel like 
she made a calculated decision that all of the bad aspects of being a royal, and there are a lot of bad aspects of being a royal, you could not pay me to do it. You could pay me. Decided to take them on. (laughs) I'll pay you. I'll pay her. (laughs) But she decided to take on all of the inevitable criticism and backlash and sort of coded racism and coded sexism so she can push forward these things that she feels passionate about. She doesn't have to go speak to a murder victim's mother in South Africa. Like, no one's expecting that of her. Like, no one would criticise her for not doing that. There were no photographers around. It was all secret. Like, we just you just heard it from other people. I love it. I love it so much. It's great. Okay, then. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Let's just wrap it up. Let's just not even do any of the plugs. I know. Someone left us a review being like, you guys are always begging for reviews. I love them. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I love them too. Um, so that's a sneaky dig. I mean, sneaky big. <laughs> Bye, and we will be back next week. Bye. Are you drunk? Bye. Probably. <laughs>